Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamflett and Michael Sidgwick to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also Raw, SmackDown, NXT, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bloody quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to look ahead to Saturday Night Dynamite tonight. And a huge match on the cards, uh, Sidge. Uh, title match, Jungle Boy challenging Kenny Omega and Saturday Night Dynamites have quite a legacy, don't they? Indeed. Really inspired decision. It, in fact, that's possibly being generous. Taping this match as originally planned in front of the dark extras was a stupid idea. And, you know, I couldn't fathom that. Mercifully, it's been shifted because not only does it add far more potential in your headcanon for a title switch, um, but it's also filmed in front of fans. I think from the Observer that was released today, Friday, they were looking at 960, which packed in as like three times a PWG show. If you can get an atmosphere approaching a prime PWG, PWG show, then wonderful. We're in for like an absolutely incredible main event. Um, but Jungle Boy's just so over. This is going to happen in front of fans. The idea that fans are going to be there, like just in huge, emphatic, resounding, loud support, is going to just be the perfect backdrop for what I expect to be an absolutely perfect story beat of they are going to make you think, doubtlessly, at, at least one moment of this match that a title switch has actually happened and you're going to gasp at the death when I realise, oh, not yet, he didn't do it. I guarantee, I guarantee there will be a moment in this match and it will be built towards impeccably that will do this. Um, yeah, I can't wait for this. I really can't. We've seen Kenny Omega on the opposite, opposite side of the ring, Jungle Boy, twice, as I can recollect. There was one tag team match, um, Page and Omega versus... Um, 
Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. And my recollection was it wasn't particularly great. Um, it was a bit sloppy. It was in the boiling July slash August heat that affected those um, Daily's Place shows in terms of the in-ring. And they had a trios match. Um, that was awesome. And you first got the glimpse of the cleaner, um, Kenny Omega, when he destroyed Marco Stunt. There was one spot in that that I hope they just rip off because it was so great, where Kenny Omega caught a Jungle Boy tope and just snapped dragging them on the outside. Awesome. Give me that. Give me spots like that where Jungle Boy's flying into things, but he's so like thin that Kenny Omega can just completely overpower him. And then when Jungle Boy perseveres and starts scoring those near falls, it'll really feel like he's actually getting at someone, getting at someone bigger than him. I've got no doubt this will build relentlessly and wonderfully. And as you said, Wilborn, another wonderful idea, wrinkle to the idea of moving it to Saturday night, is that the precedent for a title, a title switch on the Saturday has already happened. I don't think they've asked the NBA to format their season, to create a parallel between the awesome seminal Brodie Lee moment and a potential Jungle Boy win slash awesome near fall, but it's serendipitous in the best of ways. Yeah, the, the precedent, I think you, well, we did some on the podcast and we mentioned about when their um, Clash of the Champions thing starts, it's a similar precedent to try and set as you create a possible expectation that this is a place where something big goes down. And yeah, while this one might be a little bit by accident, it's nice to feel that. Can't wait, was going to be my words too. I can't wait for the match. I can't wait for that near fall feeling that I just feel so confident we're going to get. AW managed it in the most unlikely of circumstances with um, Britt Baker and Hukara Shida. Like they knew the biggest challenge in that match was getting people to believe that Shida had any chance mm-hmm. of retaining. And they did it. They, they, they really managed it in that match. So I've got absolutely no doubt that Omega and Jungle Boy will do it too. And I can't wait for the cruelty of the that feeling you get when he hits that one particular uh, V-trigger where you know it's over. There's going to be one that just takes poor Jungle Boy's face off. It's like, oh Christ, Omega's going to do it again. Because there is that, I know I've been a little bit critical of some of the skits and some of the vignettes, but Omega as a working champion heel is starting to develop like a real nice Ric Flair wrinkle. Really mm. felt it in the double or nothing match. I was like, God, I need somebody to liberate this title. Like Mox couldn't do it. For Christ's sake, it's got to be somebody. Like you are, it's great that it's going to be Hangman Page, hopefully, because you are like, it's all the cliches. You're properly in need of a hero to ride in and save the day at this point. And at some point in this match, little jungle boy that you're seeing grow up as a wrestler in front of your eyes is going to feel like that guy and Omega's just capturing that really well in the matches in a way that like feels quite unique to him as well it's certainly not something I've seen of him as maybe because he's not been in this position before it's North American episodic television you're getting so much more of him feels like he's holding the AEW belt hostage because he's just got so many of them it's like come on you're going to get that with jungle boy of all people and like it's not going to be jungle boy's night but you're not going to feel that in the heat of the moment yeah, I've, we I've... move on. Sorry, Wilborn, because it isn't a great deal else to talk about. I'm interested in both of your opinions because I feel like it's a controversial topic about the extent to which we're going to see some chicanery and outside interference. If I'm booking this match, am I listening to a growing pressure to not do as much chicanery, shenanigans, interference, heat? Or do I realize, you know what? Nuts to that. There are few better performers to rob, to like thieve and to make you feel sympathy for than Jungle Boy. So there's an interesting 
complexion because I think people are getting sick of it, but at the same time, they've presented themselves and thought themselves a great idea to, I don't want to say protect Jungle Boy, but, you know, just because the word and the concept has been bastardized doesn't mean it shouldn't exist in pro wrestling. Um, I'm erring on the side of, yes, I would like to see Don Callis screw Jungle Boy over, or I would love to see, at the very least, the threat of Don Callis putting down his headset, coming to the ring, threatening to screw Jungle Boy over, and through the tunnel walks, Luchasaurus. They are building to a big-time Don Callis bump, like a massive Don Callis bump. I'm thinking all out or full gear, or wherever it happens, it should be all out. Listen, my fantasy book, and I think he's going to get his head knocked off with the bookshot by Hangman when he goes to the ropes and the apron and tries to distract the referee. That's going to be an incredible moment, but can we not have two? <laughs> yeah, what I was going to say was, uh, I've written the, the, the notes this this podcast, is can Jungle Boy become an AW World, AW World Champion? And we're all in unison saying, no. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I tell you what, A, they've done a great job. I often say this, go and watch The Road too. It's like six minutes and it's a wonderful presentation of, like you say, the road that Jungle Boy has taken to get to this world title match. And also the spiralling out of control ego of Kenny Omega that gives you not only that impression of, you know, how dominant he is as a champion, but also that could be his downfall. And I think Excalibur basically alludes to that base, uh, in, in, the, uh, in the, the, the Road too. And I think, uh, as you were saying there, Sid, in terms of shenanigans, I don't necessarily need all the young books and, you know, Gallows and Anderson and blah, 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 blah. But Callis has played a key role in the triple threat, and I think he'll play a key role here. I think um, we've seen Callis break up a pinfall. We haven't seen him interfere. So that I think we may even get the visual submission of Kenny Omega in the snare trap, uh, especially because they've lent on it quite a lot in the build as well. But Callus is either distracting referee or just straight up KOing the referee. And, you know, like you say, that that allows Jungle Boy to, to get murked and then still not uh, and, and still receives incredible plaudits for a valiant effort. Wilborn, you've just given me an absolutely fantastic idea. I do want to actually hear Hamflit's um, opinion on this genuinely because I'm trying to get a gauge on how far they've taken it. But you've just planted an idea in my head. If they do the thing where a flailing Don Callis is on the outside distracting the referee and Kenny Omega is like slapping the mat and he's tapped, but it doesn't count because there's no action replays. And then the commentary sells it. That's one of the key focal points of the match. God damn it. He literally had him beat in the middle of the ring. Tony Schiavone next week can ask Kenny Omega the question. You tapped out. You tapped out. Should you still be the champion? And Kenny Omega can say, well, No. You'll find out next week with another Michael Kurosawa masterpiece. And then the week after, Michael Kurosawa creates this short film, right, where he again puts something that happened in this ridiculously just... The joke's funny because it's a preposterous notion. This new context where he wasn't tapping. He wasn't going, tap, 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 I'm losing. He was going... He's going to do the Terminator clap, superimposed on the tap out, and they're going to like get ridiculously like unconvincing footage of like I don't know, like double or nothing, twenty nineteen, 
or like one of the big AW shows they've done where the fans were doing that, and Michael Kurosawa is going to claim that that was what was happening. <laughs> God damn it. Should we be booking this promotion? I think so. Hamper, what do you think? Well, I think we'll know for definite if they're all listening or not when we later on. <laughs> I'm going to tweet that. I'm going to tweet that. I'm going to make a thread. Um, That's amazing. I, to, to, to Cedric's point about the interference laden finishes of late, I think every case, like every case should be judged on its own merits and why AEW are coming in for some flack on this. And I think Omega's taking the bulk of it because he's the world champion or the elite are taking the bulk of it, you know, because they feature so prominently. Um, it's because like as a company, they've been uncharacteristically slapdash with, so like how many there was on that one dynamite. Like when you see sort of three or four on the same show, that's like unacceptable agenting of a television show. It's when you get like two or three on a pay-per-view. It's like, like that's not good enough. Like it's, WWE would do it, but you, you absolutely can't hold yourself to such low standards. And I think it's in how they've deployed that as a device to try and protect the integrity of pinfalls. So they'd rather have a pinfall that's filthy than have a like a result that doesn't have a finish. And I think that element of it is admirable, but I've just I think people have seen AW deploy something in a way that's felt a bit cack handed, like not like them. And I think that's the wider issue. Because the double and nothing one with Omega and Orange Cassidy and Pac felt pretty great. Like we were all popping at Don Callis's reactions. You were just like grinding your teeth to dust when you got that realization that oh, Omega's going to retain. God damn it! Like all the good feelings, all the good heat, as Cedric points out. I think it's just elsewhere on the show and occasionally with the elite feels a bit heavy-handed. And like if they just scaled back on it, I, I don't imagine there'd be quite as many complaints. It's even if people aren't doing it consciously, I think it's more worrisome that the company are making like fairly sort of like obvious errors in the way that they're, they're laying out these shows and they're laying out these types of finishes. Pull back on that, and I think you'd have less problems with the one that make the most sense, such as this one here, this thing that you two have just pitched, that would make total sense. Uh, well, let us know your your fantasy booking of how Kenny, Kenny Omega retains. Jungle Boy almost becomes world champion at what culture WWE. Uh, there's other stuff to look forward to as well tonight, Hamflet, including Hangman Page versus Powerhouse Hobbs, the ongoing war uh, between Hangman Page and Team Taz. And, well, Team Taz and Team Taz continues. Yeah. Um, shout out to Andy Murray, what culture's own, for throwing everything I thought was going to happen in this match up in the air yesterday on Twitter with, in my opinion, the brilliant pitch of having yet again the surprise stumble for Hangman Page. Um, it just looked so obvious on paper. Team Taz are crumbling. Hangman Page has been at the heart of that. He's beaten Brian Cage. Tonight he beats Powerhouse Hobbs with yet more, um, you know, like it doesn't necessarily need to be like such an overt thing like we saw at Double or Nothing, but just the fact that Team Taz can't pull it together, f- like freeze the way for Hangman Page to get a decisive victory over a big guy like Hobbs. And then the prospect of them flipping it and doing another Brian Cage and having Hangman Page after last week being asked about the world title and then that seed being planted in his head. And yet again, like it's just just when you think he's there, he's still not. Why do people keep talking about the bloody world title? I was fine. And now it's been mentioned. He's suddenly become really stressed over the last eight days. And oh God, it's happened again. It's happened again. And he's got to, whether it be use the Dark Order to help propel him back up the rankings yet again, that one last stretch I think would be quite nice and defeat here would allow for that stretch. I don't know. Maybe that's another like fantasy booking thing that I've just talked myself into thinking is real, but they've got time. That's the thing. They've got time to have Hangman Page just suffer a little bit more. And that's been 
part of the joy of this whole thing is the the like impeccably timed suffering of Hangman Page has been vital to the eventual payoff. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Just goddamn Hangman Page's arc. Like, I really hope this level of storytelling, this kind of mature way to approach what used to be the cartoon badass superhero guy. I really hope this informs just, I thought this just drafts the blueprint for how professional wrestling should function deeper into the 21st century. Cause it's just majestic. You feel so much for this guy. It's an arc that should be predictable. Maybe at certain points you should be feeling bored because it's so long and they're literally doing this every week and there's so much wonderful detail applied to it. And yet we're thinking, well, he's not going to have the title match and win it at like Fight for the Fallen in a month. It's probably going to happen at All Out. And we know this because Kenny Omega has racked up a line of challenges. Kingston's still going to get a shot. Kazarian maybe is still going to get a shot. Um, Christian Cage is probably still going to get a shot against Kenny Omega. So the question is not if Hangman Page will fall, but when? And we know that he can because of the wonderful um, establishment of that loss against Brian Cage. It could be tonight. And that's the genius of doing it once. It's what I would describe as the Gato principle in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He will go all out on this huge shock and development, whether that be Kazuchika Okada winning the IWGP title a month beyond his removed from his excursion in 2012. It could be something like Zack Sabre Jr. tapping out, no less, all of the hunks, all of the baby faces, either the aces or the sonatas, like the next in line or the, the legends, like tapping them out clean in the middle. And he had about two years off that. He had two years and certainly at least one major Ricardo match on the back of that where you thought, oh Christ, he's going to win the title. Just audacity if you rein it in just enough is so important. And I think they're going to reap the benefits of that Brian Cage result for yonks. Inspired is all hell booking. Whether it's Hobbs or not tonight, I don't know. The fact that the shred of doubt over the outcome exists is wonderful long-term booking. As for the prospective quality of the match, it should be a rip of this. Like, Hangman Page being out-muscled will feel like, oh Christ, how ace is this powerhouse Hobbs guy? Because Hangman Page is like this explosive guy who could just chin anyone. And for him to come back and eventually beat powerhouse Hobbs, if in fact it happens, will make him look like an even more of a badass. Um, as for the Team Taz permutations... The dynamic's strange because part of me thinks it should be Starks and Hook versus Page and Hobbs. But like that's a bit wonky on the heel face dynamic. But it's again, I don't know where it's going. And it feels like a familiar trope, but how it's going to manifest is the interesting part about it. That's good booking. Yeah, it's a hell of a shout that I was going into this going, yeah, Page gets past Hobbs and and maybe there's more infighting for Team Taz, Brian Cage gets involved, or Starks, whatever, whatever. And now you said that and planted that seed, or Andy has, has suggested it, obviously, as you said, I suddenly think, yeah, that makes a lot of sense in the coming weeks if if he stumbles again. Because was it, I'm just looking then, was it Fight for the Fallen where he had that moment where everyone, was it Kip Sabian? He had that match in 2019, everyone was like, uh-oh. I'm not sure about this. And, and uh, Sid, you've been talking for, for months, if not years, about this redemption arc for uh, Hangman Page, which obviously in, in our booking concludes it all out. But the fact you could have, yeah, that final 
maybe has a, a rematch against powerhouse Hobbs, or he has some huge match, basically like win this and you're effectively, you know, number one contender. And you can use that as, as this is the, this is the site of where it all started to go wrong and obviously went completely wrong uh, all in or all out. Sorry. And, uh, and yeah, that that all throws tonight's result into into flux. It's a hell of a tale, isn't it, Sige? Yeah, it's just absolutely unbelievably complex, well thought out, and it's never like too cute and intricate in a way that is. I don't know. It doesn't ever feel like it has been so thought out because Hangman Page's performance has been so incredible. The the way they've timed everything is so remarkable. We've been talking about the other channel um, and how this Kyle O'Reilly loses quite often shtick is starting to feel a bit like, well, if he is the guy to be crossed, he might have screwed it because of how often he's been beaten. They've like paced this arc so well that you've had a visual reminder so often of Hangman Page's credentials and his ability. He's been an excellent tag team champion. He's been near or at the very top of these rankings so often. He's never, ever once resonated as a failure except to himself, which just adds the pathos behind it. It's honestly one of the greatest pro wrestling stories ever told. It's Kabashi-esque in terms of one man's journey through one promotion. Um, Hangman Page and AEW is the closest we've got to Kenta Kabashi in all Japan. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com 
slash what culture. Now, uh, following up on last week's Dynamite Siege, we obviously had that MMA cage fight with Wardlow and Hager and all the carnage that came afterwards. How do they follow up on that? What is next for the Inner Circle and, and the Pinnacle, do you reckon? I've got no idea because they kind of disrupted the rhythm of how these things go in a way that I think a lot of people have been kind of turned off by. Um, the front-loaded, the big blood and guts match, which kind of really disturbed what people thought was going to happen. Um, they undersold the gravity of it by how quickly the feud resumed. There were silly elements to Stadium Stampede, which I think at this point was a quite transparent attempt, and it was successful, a quite transparent attempt to go, right, okay, well, we'll try and do a thread in it where it feels like a symbolic return to fans. We'd actually already returned to fans and didn't need the symbolism of that. Maybe it should have went first. Pre-taped first, and then, I don't know, whatever. Um, But because it's out of whack almost, I can't predict what happens next. The last thing that happened, if we're trying to plot this as a storyboard, is that the pinnacle got the best of Inner Circle by really cruelly and shockingly beating up like one of their veteran associate mates of Chris Jericho. My instincts as someone who can analyse storytelling tells me that Chris Jericho should be enormously pissed off with this. Like, enormously pissed off with this. He's got Parkinson's disease. He's one of the most famous rival turned friends. Like, he should be being for MJF's blood here. So as much as I'd quite like to see just a scaled-back series of bills and interviews, we're going to get some kind of big angle. And maybe we should with it being MJF and Sammy next week. Um, but I think it's quite, you know what, I'm talking myself into thinking this is good if you look at the patterns here. Chris Jericho, close friend of Dean Malenko, pissed off because MJF has battered him. And it was what a cruel bastard and sociopath he is. This will compel Guevara and Jericho and the inner circle to beat up the pinnacle, while at the same time creating the illusion that Sammy Guevara has got the upper hand against MJF ahead of their singles match. That's not the case. MJF wins, and that's how he gets to Jericho in the end. So that's the way I would do it. And Maybe if they do do it that way, because I thought last week's Inner Circle Pinnacle stuff was the very best stuff on a show that it was kind of the worst bit of in the prior weeks. So maybe this thing's turning around. I mean, yeah. singles matches and traditional matches. Totally agree on last week as well. Yeah, the thing that I was finding myself looking forward to the least on Dynamite was the standout thing. And I don't know if it's just coincidence, but maybe it was just like a nice feeling about the Pinnacle actually getting one over. Like in such a cool way as well, like the use of Dean Malenko, um, something that felt there was a danger back to the pinnacle that we haven't really seen since they first debuted that first beatdown felt dangerous and frightening and the pinnacle haven't really looked like that ever since and part of that has been due to like kind of like getting trapped in these it's just like circular comedy bits with Chris Jericho ultimately um, and I like the idea of Jericho being furious and Sammy Guevara as this guy that just loves Chris Jericho and wants to he wants to be Chris Jericho when he grows up Right. I love the idea of Guevara, like that real sort of 80s kitschy type. I've got him for you next week, dad. Like I'll, I'll get I'll get you like that. I, I love that idea. Jericho this week being absolutely raging and Guevara, like the young guy being the one to calm the old one down and say, don't worry, next week I'll show him. And then like to, as Cedric points out, to ultimately not be able to show him for the pinnacle to like 
that's even crueler almost than what you've done at Dimalenko is that the young guy that wants to wants to take revenge for his hero's mate is going to fall. Like the pinnacle will probably cheat, MJF will certainly cheat, and he'll beat Sammy Guevara. And that's going to be all the more heartbreaking when we get this week of like locate, to be honest. I know this show looks like it needs things to fill it, which worries me slightly that, well, it's Chris Jericho's the guy they send out to fill quarter hours. So I do worry a little bit. But like if you could make this low key somehow, if you could make it just seem like Chris Jericho spent all week seething and you just get Guevara giving him the pep talk and be like, don't worry, I got this. Like he's going to pay for it. Like, and I can't wait to make him pay all that sort of stuff. If you make it serious because it puts over the pinnacle as well, it stops you having that identical complaint of blood and guts was last week and now we're back and Jericho's not doing a very good job of hiding in a car. You know, like the last thing you want to do is take last week and yet again reduce it with comedy. So I think it'd be quite nice if they leaned on the severity of that to feed into the match next week. Yep. Give MJF time with that microphone to just lean on the the horribleness of attacking someone like Dean Malenko. You can just tell he's got he's got something in the chamber for that to drop that will make Jericho snap all over again. And that's how I guess it's something like I saw your old mate shaking with fear. He's, he's oh, that's, like that. Yeah that like it's just going to have Jericho again like trying to swing for him and like Sammy wanting him to keep cool like just something like added cruelty on top of what he's already done to him just one of them type of lines yeah there's something in that isn't there there's something in uh you cradling the man of a thousand holes I don't know something, uh, you, you know you, you get the idea um, <laughs> Chris, Chris Statlander versus the bunny uh is also advertised for tonight Hamlet. is this as straightforward as just uh, a throwaway women's match that they're going to put out, or does this factor into the wider issues with potentially um, the best friends effectively getting involved in Christian Cage versus the HFO, I believe it's called? Yes, and yes. It's both the semi functional quarter hour match and possibly for all that spin off stuff, but none of it is that interesting to think about or analyze in truth. Um, didn't like the Christian. Hardy family stuff last week at all. It's just an extension of a match I don't want to see. So why like why would you care that much about the characters? Um Statlander, the, Statlander as a wrestler should feel above this sort of fluff as well. But you know, she's not getting pushed or anything. So ultimately, unfortunately, like these two probably will be surrogates for the feuding men around them, which is a bit of a shame, isn't it? I like I thought they kind of got away with it last week with Penelope Ford and Miro, but if they're gonna do that twice in a row with the one women's quarter hour segment. It's a pretty hideous look. And in conjunction with the fact that they're not doing a great job with Britt Baker, it's it's more steps in the wrong direction. So I, I don't know. I don't have, I like, I need to be surprised by this because I can't see much positive as we're previewing it. Yuka Sakazaki's coming back. Yay. So in July, so not quite yet. So my just despair at how this women's division is unfolding at the minute has been tempered by the fact that they're not bringing her over for nothing. She's massive for um, her home promotion of Tokyo Joshi Pro, so she will be positioned really well, I suspect, um, during this excursion. And as many have pointed out, she's got a victory over Dr. Britt Baker. So there's an easy match there, and hopefully some several dynamite showings to arrive at it, or to at least... Um, remind the audience of why Yuka Sakazaki is so charming. But that is potential bargaining for something that's to follow. For now, yeah, I have to echo that concern. This feels like um, building blocks for men to play with. Hmm. That's what this is. 
And if I mean generous, I think Chris Statlander would prove to be an excellent opponent as a babyface for Dr. Britt Baker. I think Baker's promo game, the alien patter, could really be strong. Um, they've kind of eased back on the idea, the explicit idea that Statland is an actual alien and it feels more she's just a bit zany, like the rest of her best friend's cohorts. But yeah, as for the match quality, I expect this to be a nice little gentleman's three, but in a way that I can't get thrilled by it, but I think it'll be a lot better because I think the bunny's been class. Mm. I think the bunny's been absolutely class, like not five-star level class, but in terms of eight-minute TV match, like her shotgun dropkick and barricades, great. Her facials are great. It doesn't feel too spotty, her work. It genuinely feels like she's really brimming with confidence and can probably tell a story. I think she's been class. I think this will be really quite strong, which will probably be all the more pity if, in fact, it just is a segue. I'll tell you what, he's mouth-watering as well tonight, Sige. Dante Martin versus Matt Seidel. This could be a low-key banger, couldn't it? Yeah, this, is, this could be class. Um, I don't know if either of them are big enough stars to start the show. This might be like um, a third, fourth segment deal, which is a shame because it's not the kind of match you want to see go to a break and it's not the kind of match you want to just go, right, okay, well, you're doing rest holds or a beat down, just counting down the clock. Like, I'd like this to go first and for it to be like 10 minutes of total fireworks. Like, I haven't seen this. There is no in-house AEW style, but if there's any, it's this because you get a kind of, a pace and a rhythm in like a head drop festival that you don't tend not to get on WWE TV. So I'd love to see this go first. I'd love to see it be wild, even by AEW quote unquote in-house standards. Like I want to see some dragon runners in this. I want to see some ridiculous flips in this. I want this to be unashamedly a match between a savvy aerial veteran and someone who's that little bit faster that little bit who's got that bit more of a spring um so this should be tits and they've already had a match on dark that was tits they will be hoping and plotting out a match whether they execute it or not oh we have to make this more tits than the tits thing that got this on dynamite in the first place because everyone said oh this is tits this so they have to do something more tits because otherwise it's a diminished return so this should be tits and you know what's awesome about it like the thing with Dynamite, I've said before, it's episodic to a fault. Like episodic to a fault at times. I can't really see any angles. I can't see any redundant angles that you can kind of see coming because neither are involved in any wider conflict. I feel like this is just going to be the kind of thing that Dynamite has needed. Function as something incredible in terms of in-ring. Can't see an angle. Thank God, mercifully, I've seen quite enough on this show. And Matt Seidel, if he wins, would make an ideal opponent for Miro on one of the July shows. Ooh. Like, ideal. So that's how I would book it. I would just, honestly, simplicity is boring unless there isn't enough of it. Are you just campaigning basically for on dynamite tits for the sake of tits? Is that ultimately what you suggested? Or sooner. It's <laughs> <laughs> More tits there than on my upper body, and I've got about six. Um, I has uh, top flight and the side owls happened on um, dark or dark elevation or anything like that? Have we had the I time? don't know, but I think um, the rise Martin's out for a significant amount of time still. Ah, oh, it's not something that they can like plan no. out. Big, ah, that's a shame. That's shame, shame. Rule. 
Yeah, that's what I was. I was sort of hoping that like he'd be back a little bit sooner, and that this was like this was the first step of that. Because yeah, without that, I can't, I can't see any sort of route out of this either. So I, let's just have a let's just have a banger again. Like this goes back to the sort of things where we're taking it for granted in Daly's place for so long. But what did you say? Like nine hundred there tonight? Nine sixty sold so far. Give him something to make a load of like noise for. Like let's hear some fans like shrieking at some high spots again. It's cool stuff for a wrestling show, and it's so it's still so novel. Like I want it to be a long time before those noises. Like, I don't want the novelty wear off for a long time because we've gone so long without them. So this is a great way to use the voices of the 900 people in there. Yeah, uh, Darius Martin, ACL surgery in April. So I sincerely doubt he's going to return it. But, but uh, yeah, regardless, Dante Martin versus Matt Seidel. Oh, what a treat for a Saturday night that is going to be. Uh, finally, uh, me and Sid were talking about this earlier. Unsure about reports regarding... Uh, Ethan Page potentially being in action tonight. Regardless, we are talking about the fallout from that handicap match last week. Darby Allen attempted to take on the men of the year and, uh, well, getting predictable results when it's a two-on-one handicap match and he's told Sting to stay home. But Pamphlet, is tonight the night that Darby Allen reunites with Sting or it's uh, the beginning of the end for these two? I don't know, um, but I don't not like it. Mm. I, just, I can't figure out quite where they're going to go with it. Um, I like... So for somebody who's been made like Darby Allen, not just by the booking against Cody and just generally his booking in AEW, but by specifically that match with Sting, like got that like it was Sting dust it was like sprinkled all over Darby Allen. At the, like that moment of the two of them in the ring together, where they got them both on corner posts, was like one of Darby's biggest moments in AEW in terms of that like elevation to the upper echelon. You know, it, I don't know if you need a lot more of Sting. But it was nice to see that, like, be reminded that he's a bit young and inexperienced. And he probably, it goes against type, but he should have picked a partner. And, like, I think it's quite interesting if Sting tells him that. And we know from Taz that Darby Allen doesn't take very kindly to feeling like he's being patronized by veterans. So I think that's quite an interesting thing to investigate with the relationship with Sting if they want to do it. I just can't quite see the exact direction. I think I'd quite like that one. And I think I'd like to think. Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky believe that they've created a wedge between Sting and Darby and then it turns out they haven't and like they've just been like overconfident in thinking that they broke these two apart just because they happen to have seen a little bit of dissension or Darby being a bit angry that Sting's condescending or something like that I'd quite like them to go down that route but it's you know it's AW so I trust them with it mm. um, but I, I just I can't quite see yet if that's definitely going to be the direction yeah I don't know what to make of this at all it's interesting. It's like, I've got no idea what to make of it. I should kind of be on the hook. But for whatever reason, I'm not. I think I probably should learn by now. This Sting and Darby stuff, when it peaks, is like transcendent. It's fantastic. But it always takes a while to get there. And on principle, the storytelling's often fantastic. Felt like Invisible Wall, Invisible Wall. Oh my God, he's taking a bump. Revolution cinematic match was really good for cinematic match standards then all of that gets even better it feels like just this incredible graph and yet when you get to one of those uh lines that peter out for whatever reason i can't explain why i'm just not there on the hook and i'm not really there this time either maybe i'm just an ungrateful twat <laughs> maybe i am on principle i like the idea of sting actually being a honorable True to his word, babyface. I love that wrinkle Hamford's pointed out. Yes, Darby Allen might sort of 
get defensive if Sting points out, you know what, I wasn't wrong there. Maybe this is some kind of heel master plan. Maybe I'll fall in love with that idea if, in fact, it unfolds on Dynamite over the next couple of weeks. But at present, I just don't know what to make for it, which isn't bad. It's better than Matt Hardy and Christian, hmm. which I noticed that you didn't ask a question about on the preview because uh, does anyone care? Hmm. Yeah, I, I want to try and keep you happy today. Uh, so <laughs> avoid that. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying what the men of the year have been doing in recent weeks. And whether it's a little neg tonight, whether they come out in matching white and black outfits, or I don't know, something like that. Someone has to paint up at Sting at some point. Yeah, but um, yeah, they, they, I mean, they're completely vindicated, aren't they, Sige? We said you can't do it with your without your old man in your cut in the corner, and they, yeah, they batted it. I mean, it was a handicap match, and they tried zip ties and he tried all that, and in the end, yeah, he, he had the uh, the the uh, what's it called? Not not Razor's Edge, whatever it is, is Razor's Edge finisher. Eagle's Edge, is it? Eagle's Edge, thank you. Eagle's Edge, I think, Edge, I think it's, it's called. Definitely not that. Um. But yeah, I just I'd, I'd give them some mic time as well tonight because those two together are, are money. Yeah, they're a class act. I don't know why I don't love this. I really, really like it. Maybe I'll come to love it. And that is how do you get after double nothing? Just felt like such an amazing climax <laughs> to the story that maybe it's just anything else kind of pales in comparison. But yes, I would certainly, certainly, without a doubt, stick a microphone in the vicinity of Ethan Page. I just love heels. So that's why Nikki Cross sucks. I love heels bragging over something that they should not be proud of. It's just, it's money. It's money every single time. That's the way around to do it. And I would like to see Ethan Page do precisely that on tomorrow's Dynamite. Mm -hmm. I might have knocked up your schedule. And when's this getting released? It's going out. It's going out on. Saturday. Hey, I've mucked it up. <laughs> Tonight's dynamite, but we get the idea. We all know how this works. game works by now. Just as long as they don't announce something on Saturday morning, like, which they probably inevitably will. Re Phoenix versus Pack, Death Triangle explodes, <laughs> a seven star classic. Look, man, we spent frigging 10 minutes booking an amazing climax to a pay per view match that happened on a SmackDown and that went out before the preview podcast aired. Like, it's not, it's not our fault. <laughs> Well, anyway, let us know your thoughts ahead of Saturday Night Dynamite on Twitter at WhatCultureWW. Watch they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. And we will review this episode of Dynamite on Monday. All things going well. But this has been the AW Dynamite preview. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.